Kia ora, I'm Laura Clark, the British High Commissioner to New Zealand. Welcome to another episode of Tea with the High Commission, the British High Commission's podcast, where we interview a range of interesting people talking about anything and everything, and in the process discover the great connections between the UK and New Zealand. Hello, I'm Joel Watson, the First Secretary Political at the British High Commission. It's my pleasure to welcome today the political economist and writer Philip Lagrain. Philip has been an advisor to the European Union Commissioner, Mr Barroso, and to WTO Director General and former Prime Minister of New Zealand, Mike Moore. Philip, welcome and thank you for joining us. Can you tell our listeners what you're doing here in New Zealand? Yeah, I've been invited over uh, by an NGO called Host International uh, to talk about uh, the businesses, the benefit to to businesses of uh, recruiting refugees. And it's obviously a very topical issue here in New Zealand where the quota for refugees has just been raised to 1,000 people a year. It's it's set to rise to 1,500 by 2020 uh, and where businesses are missing a trick um, in not employing uh, refugees. One could be mistaken from a casual browsing of the media, not just in New Zealand but in the UK and Australia as well, that there's a rising tide of refugees around the world. Is that an accurate assessment or is that too bleak? Well, there are um, 68 million people around the world who've been forced out of their homes uh, and uh, a further 25 million who've been forced out of their country. Uh, So that's a a hell of a lot of people. Uh, Most of them are in neighbouring poor countries. So, for example... Uh, in Lebanon, they have a million Syrians, which is more than all the Syrians who've gone to, to Europe. Uh, and in the case of New Zealand, uh, as I just mentioned, the numbers are uh, very small. Associated in many minds is an almost entirely negative perception around refugees, with the assumption that refugees basically equate to an economic and social burden. You've been doing some great work around challenging this idea. Can you tell us about that work and what you found? Sure, you're absolutely right to say that um, refugees are often seen um, as a burden uh, and that's uh, incorrect. Um, uh, Refugees actually have a a lot to contribute and I've set up a think tank called Open Political Economy Network or OPEN and we did some research with the Tent Foundation um, which looked at uh, the contribution uh, that refugees make and we found that uh, investing uh, $1 in welcoming refugees uh, can yield uh, $2 in economic benefits uh, within just five years. And that happens in two ways. First of all, because the initial spending uh, on refugees, whether it's on food, on shelter, on teachers, on translators, uh, creates jobs uh, in uh, the local economy. And second of all, um, once refugees start working, uh, paying taxes or starting businesses, uh, they further contribute. And I think one of the things which is least known about refugees here in uh, New Zealand is that 30% of them have professional qualifications. So they might be able to work in IT or doctors uh, or uh, all sorts of other uh, professions. Uh, And at a time when uh, this country is facing uh, skills shortages uh, and a time when uh, it's going to be receiving receiving, uh, fewer uh, uh, immigrants, uh, it would be great to put to work uh, the people who are already here and have the skills and are dying to get to work. I listened recently to your excellent TEDx talk. One of the things that most struck me uh, was around the concept of the 4D dividend in relation to refugees. 
Can you set that out for me? Well, in most advanced economies, including New Zealand, there are um, dirty, difficult, um, uh, dull and relatively dangerous jobs that locals don't want to do. Uh, and these are jobs which um, you know, refugees um, are, are often very happy to do because it's a step into the labour market, because work uh, makes them feel valued and that they're contributing to their new home. Uh, I've got a brilliant example which comes um, from obviously uh, neighbouring uh, Australia. There's a small town called Nil, uh, which is um, near enough um, uh, Melbourne, and the largest employer is a poultry producer called Loverduck. And Loverduck couldn't find any suitable uh, local employees, and so uh, they spoke to the National Settlement Agency, who sent over some uh, Karen refugees from Myanmar. Uh, and uh, on their first trip, uh, four were hired. They then spread the word among their community, uh, and now uh, there are more than 50 working there. And the great story is it's not just enabled the local poultry producer to expand, it's also allowed a small town in Australia that was dying off whose local businesses were struggling because young Australians were moving away to the big city uh, to suddenly be revitalised. And I think there are many small towns in uh, New Zealand which might be in a similar situation uh, and could really benefit from an influx of refugees who come to work and, and also create jobs as they spend uh, their wages. And what policy levers need to be put in place, say, in New Zealand for that to happen? Well, one of the first steps, obviously, is to raise awareness, and that's why I'm here in New Zealand this week, uh, to start a national conversation, um, to uh, speak to um, business leaders, to politicians, uh, and uh, to ordinary New Zealanders, uh, to try to um, uh, spread the word. After that, obviously, uh, employers who are interested need to be able to find uh, suitable candidates, and uh, Host International, uh, uh, NGO that are just being established here in uh, New Zealand, are partnering with Refugee Talent, which is an Australian online platform that matches uh, employers to refugees in order to help Kiwi businesses who are interested find suitable candidates. Uh, at the same time, obviously, there may be uh, businesses may be reluctant to hire refugees, but potentially, for example, because they lack uh, local work experience. Uh, and for that reason, it, it would be helpful uh, to create internships or work experience programs which have been sh shown to work very well elsewhere. There may also be uh, language issues, and here uh, English Language Partners uh, New Zealand provides uh, training courses so that um, refugees can learn the basic amount of English they need in order to get their first job. And then international experience shows very clearly you don't need to speak perfect English in order to get your first job. Uh, you need, merely need to speak adequate English and once you do that you then meet local New Zealanders, you learn on the job uh, and very soon you're connected to a local community uh, and uh, you're integrating into society and rebuilding your life. It sounds like the tools could already be there. What can individuals do to help promote this concept of bringing refugees into the workforce? Well I, I think a lot of it is about changing public perceptions. Uh, we said initially that uh, many people think um, refugees are a burden, other things that they're a threat. Uh, actually, uh, if you meet anyone who has been through the immense suffering that refugees have gone through and who's come out the other end, who's a survivor, who's desperate to rebuild their life, who's so grateful to be here, uh, you'll be uh, inspired by it. Uh, and uh, you might think, well, there but for the grace of God go I. It could happen to any of us. Uh, and um, these are people 
um, who are really grateful to be here and who have a lot to contribute. And uh, you know, it's good for us and good for them uh, to, to get them into work and, and participating in society. I'm interested in what drove your interest into this particular area of work. Was it your own family background? Did that play a part in your focus on refugees? Well, I mean, I, I wrote a book called Immigrants, Your Country Needs Them um, uh, a decade ago, which was very uh, successful. Uh, and I've been interested in uh, immigration and refugee issues since then. And then, obviously, there's been uh, a big crisis internationally about refugees, and that um, led me to, to do work in this area. And yes, partly there is um, a personal background. My mother was born in a refugee camp. Uh, my grandparents were, were refugees. I think that you know, out of uh, the tragedy um, of the refugee experience, um, uh, can come, I hope, a valued member of British society with something to contribute, uh, and that that ought to be open uh, to people who are going through that experience now, and who also have a lot to, con to contribute, whether it is to Britain, to New Zealand, or to other countries. How hopeful are you, though, on a scale of 1 to 10, that initiatives like this will actually take seed and bear fruit? Uh, very helpful. I think, you know, New Zealand is a very welcoming place. So I think that uh, emotionally people are in the, uh, in, in, in starting from the right position. So it's just a question of raising awareness and overcoming um, the various practical hurdles um, uh, that I've mentioned. But so far, whether we're speaking to business leaders or to politicians, people are very receptive to that. And I understand that, you know, there are many businesses here that are short of labour and therefore... Uh, they're crying out um, uh, f for people to employ, and so we just need to connect them to suitable refugees, and everyone will be a winner. Philip, thank you for coming in and sharing those fascinating thoughts and insights, and the very best of luck with sharing the positive story around refugees and the benefits that they bring to society. Thank you. Thank you. It's been great to be here. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review as it helps others find us. And remember, you can subscribe to us by searching for Tea with the High Commission on iTunes or Spotify. Thank you. Kakiti anō.